Hello and welcome to this Chamber Conversation podcast. Joining me today is Arnab Basu, who's the founding CEO of Chromec, a cutting edge tech business that he created after doing a PhD at Durham University. Good morning, Arnab. Good morning. For everybody who's listening who may not have heard of Chromec, and I don't think there'd be very many of them who haven't heard of Chromec, could you just give us an overview, please, about the company's size, where you're based, and your specialisms? Because I couldn't possibly explain, to be fair. Uh, we are a radiation detection technology company uh, with an emerging biosecurity part of the business. Uh, let me talk about the core business, which, in the, which is the radiation uh, detection business. Uh, we, we provide uh, detection technologies, which uh, are, are very, you know, in, in, in lay terms, is c- brings color and digital detection of X-rays and gamma rays. You know, what, what we have seen, the revolution in, in the world of photography, uh, where uh, film-based black and white photography uh, transformed within a very short period of time into color and digital photography. And, and the enabling technology w- there was silicon-based technology. Similarly, we have a semiconductor called cadmium zinc telluride, which actually is the enabling technology to make X-rays and gamma rays, the world of radiography into digital and color. So. What, what does that do? Uh, that enables earlier and better detection of cancer, that uh, enables you know, more precise detection of uh, explosives in, in, for example, in aviation security, or simply uh, it looks for sniffing out radioactive material, keep, keeping cities and infrastructures safe. So ultimately what we do at Chromec is uh, save lives or keep people safe. Uh, the biodetection uh, part, which is an emerging part, uh, is, is also, we can talk about it later uh, in, in a bit more detail, but it's very much aimed at really looking for airborne pathogens, whether it's known, whether it's emerging, whether it's mutating viruses and bacteria. The world's first, a unique technology we are developing with, with the US Department of Defense. That's fantastic. That's so prestigious. And it's fantastic that you're also in the, the Northeast as well. If I could just go back to the start of your career, can you explain a little bit about where you were brought up, the kind of life you had, and what led you to be, to have this trailblazing business? Look, I, I was born and brought up in, in Calcutta in India. Uh, so I grew up in a business family. Uh, my, my dad uh, was, was an engineer qualified from Manchester, actually, in, in, in late 50s, early 60s, went back and, and, and worked for a British company and then started up his own business. So in my formative years, I, I grew up in a very entrepreneurial uh, sort of environment, uh, seeing my dad uh, starting and uh, growing his own business. And so I, I, I did my first degree was in natural sciences in Calcutta University in physics, chemistry and mathematics, went and worked for our family business. But, but within a few years, I did realize that uh, maybe that was not the place where I wanted to spend my entire career. So uh, the only way of really uh, coming out of that was to become a student again. Uh, and, and I came to England uh, to uh, did an engineering in Northumbria University. So that was my first first time outside India, straight into the northeast of England, did my uh, first degree. I worked for a regional company uh, based in North Tyneside and, and then ended up doing a PhD in Durham University. And, and really, uh, uh, like a lot of physics PhD graduates, uh, had one eye 
uh, on the city of London trying uh, to, uh, to go into the investment banking community and, and I had a job in, in, in there. So I went traveling uh, after I finished my PhD uh, and the university was trying, Durham was trying to spin this business out which uh, a base technology uh, that they had in Durham created an IP. They were trying to spin that out. And they contacted me and asked whether I, I wanted to be, uh, you know, wanted to join and lead it. And, and that's how I got involved in, in what used to be called Durham Scientific Crystal. So I came back from my travels on, on 17th of May in 2003 and 19th of May, uh, the operation started off Durham Scientific Crystal, which is now Chromec. That's fantastic. Can I just take you back a step? You were saying you didn't really want to be in the family business. Did the opportunity to be your own boss really appeal to you? And did you use anything that you'd seen in your father's business in this new startup? Very much so. Uh, you know, uh, I commerce was something that always attracted me. Uh, and, and although I've been to universities three times, um, um, but where my heart lies is, is really in, in business and, 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 and you know, in technology to a certain extent, but making science work for humanity. That's, that's really what uh, drives, uh, drives me. And, and uh, the reason why I did not take up the chosen career uh, after my PhD um, in a, and a job in London was very much of, of starting something new. And the process that I saw my father go through, it was a very inspiring process. And, and, and so this was a unique opportunity for me to actually do that. And I've enjoyed every bit of it over the last 18 years. So can you talk me through a bit about the growth and whether there were particular light bulb moments or contracts that you won that meant that you jumped up a level? Because obviously your business is a really substantial size now. Yes, I mean, look, there are, we... We have three markets that we, uh, you know, we serve globally, uh, medical imaging, security screening and, and nuclear detection in our core radiation detection market. Uh, and those came about through events, really. Uh, so when we started off, we had a very simple business model to make uh, cadmium zinc telluride, the semiconductor, which is a color and digital uh, detector of X-rays and gamma rays. Uh, our model was to scale up the process of, of manufacturing this because there's only, you know, even today, there's only three sources of this material globally uh, and we are one of them. Uh, so, uh, but we very quickly within a within couple of years, as I was going around uh, talking to potential customers in those early days, I realized that we have to get into applications because when you are designing a new uh, detector, which will really transform the way people are used to look at imaging, it's often difficult to really make that change happen in certain industries. So we were looking at developing applications. And, and as, as you may recall, in 2006, 2007, uh, the liquid bomb plot was unveiled. Uh, yes. You know, terrorists trying to blow up an aircraft using liquid explosive detection. And that was a moment we thought, there's an application that we can go into. And so we devised our liquid explosive detection system, which is a bottle scanner, which was the first uh, system that was uh, granted European certification, uh, regulatory certification for detection of liquid explosives in airports. And that still remains in many, many airports deployed as, as, as a system around the world. How long so, did it take? Sorry to interrupt. How long did it take from you spotting an opportunity to delivering the, the product? 
you know, it took us a couple of years uh, to uh, start from pretty much scratch, develop the product, identify the opportunity, go through the whole regulatory process uh, in Europe, and and we were the first system that got certification. So that was a that was a great moment. Uh, so that's how we got into really the security screening market, which is aviation security. And and we had at that point a contract uh, from the U, uh, U.S. Department of Defense or specifically Defense Threat Reduction Agency, DETRA. Uh, and, and we had a contract to further develop our cadmium zinc telluride or the materials part of the business. And as part of it, we were looking into applying cadmium zinc telluride in nuclear detection, a natural home where it made, you know, uh, where the application was very much suited to uh, what the properties of the material was. And we had a detector in, in 2010, 2011, a very unique detector, very small, something, you know, typically you're, if you're looking at a nuclear detector, these are big bulky things. And we had a matchbox size detector, which did all the work that a big bulky thing used to do. And uh, we had sold a few to in Japan in those early days, an early adopter of tech. And of course, then in 2011, the very unfortunate uh, event of the tsunami and the earthquake happened in, in Fukushima. And our detector was the first detector that was taken into the reactor four roof uh, by uh, TEPCO. And, and so because of its unique size, unique properties and, and performance criteria, we, we provided them with a capability that didn't exist. And that's how we, got involved in the nuclear security or the nuclear detection market for uh, detection of radioisotope isotopes. And, and that's how the nuclear business started really. And where now we have a whole portfolio of products, customers in over 55 countries and, and so on. And in 2013, we actually acquired our, one of our main competitors in the US. And uh, which was in Pittsburgh, a company called EV Products. Uh, and, and in 2010, we had acquired another business in California. But in 2013, we made an acquisition of our main competitor. And, and they, their main target market was in medical imaging. And that's how we got involved in medical imaging. So that's how we got involved in the three different market segments we are in. But we have had some very, you know, breaks in. We, we did a transformational work for uh, an agency, Department of Defense agency in the US called DARPA, uh, where we devised, where we developed this citywide protection systems against the attack of nuclear dirty bombs. And, and uh, they, you know, we, we developed a, a wearable detector replacing something which weighs you know, two or three kilos, which can be networked in thousands of detectors and, and pr protects an entire city, which today is protecting New York City, where you wow. can see the whole radiation picture in one, one screen in an office. That's uh, fantastic. Do you ever have um, a worry about capacity when you're doing things that are at the forefront of technology like this? I could imagine that automatically you're going to get a huge supply and I just wondered if that ever sort of give, keeps you awake at night. <laughs> Yes, I mean, we, you know, uh, we, we have had uh, sort of increased, uh, sort of we had invested quite heavily in building the capacity base of the business. So being a listed company has helped us in that. So in, and as you know, even in 2019, we, we had a nearly $10 million investment in expansion of capacity on back of a near $60 million contract from a medical imaging customer. 
uh, for building CZT. So now we operate a substantial uh, sort of uh, growth capability for the semiconductor material in, in, in Sedgefield in Northeast of England. Uh, of course, we have two manufacturing sites in Sedgefield and in Pittsburgh. Uh, and, and so, yeah, we have over the years, we have invested quite heavily in building capacity. Supply chain is always something that we uh, are very keenly looking at. Uh, and our ethos is to build local supply chain as uh, wherever possible and, and work with local businesses simply because it helps us. Um, a supplier, uh, you know, where you can reach out and, and visit them in, in, in an hour's drive or a 15, 15 minute drive is much better than to manage where you have to get up on a plane in a different time zone. So supply chain development is a key part where we believe in local supply chain and will continue to do that going forward. Obviously, COVID has presented different challenges for businesses at the moment and over the past year. Are there any sort of opportunities or particular challenges for your business to do with the pandemic? Look, COVID presented some, some uh, pretty uh, interesting challenges for us, because if you look at our core markets, medical imaging, which is diagnostic imaging, as, as we know, there's, there's a huge backlog of, of uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, diagnostics and treatment built up as a result in COVID in, in NHS alone, uh, globally, it's, it was exactly the same. The non-elective surgeries, non-elective diagnostics, because the hospitals and the infrastructure was fully, fully sort of, uh, you know, uh, focused on detection and, and managing the pandemic. As a result, that part of the business, our customers suffered immensely in the first uh, sort of period, in the first wave and, and continued in, in the latter half of 2020. So, so uh, aviation, secu aviation security is another market we operate in. None of us travel anymore and have traveled over the last uh, 12 months. So even that sector was very badly affected. We are starting to see uh, from, from late 2020 uh, throughout the 2021, uh, all our sectors are now getting active, uh, so the business is really, again, uh, getting back to where it was pre-COVID, which is great, so we are back on that growth trajectory. But uh, in 2018, we started a program uh, with the uh, Department of Defense in, in America for detection of pathogens, viruses and bacteria in air way before COVID. This was, this was uh, a program uh, which DARPA uh, sort of awarded a contract to us in, in back end of 2018 to build an alert system against uh, the threat of biological weapons or bi biological dirty bombs in cities where a number of these detectors could be, uh, you know, vehicle mounted going through cities, sampling air continuously, analyzing that on a completely autom autonomous basis and, and reporting that. So building up a real-time picture of the pathogen content of air. And of course, in 2020, when COVID really hit us, people understood the value of, of what such a system could do. So we diverted some of our, you know, that long-term vision of broad spectrum virus and, and pathogen detection. We focused a lot on, uh, in, in parallel, a lot on detection of COVID-19 in air. And as a result, we, we now have a UK government program on detection of COVID-19 in air. And, and, and we expect to, you know, we are doing pilots right now in, in mass transport areas, in, in other areas 
of detection of COVID-19 completely or, or, you know, autonomously without any need for human intervention. So no need of labs, no need, no need of trained people. These are systems which will sit there, sample air on a continuous basis and detect the presence or absence and the levels of COVID-19 in air, a unique capability we are developing. And, and so yes, COVID has pre presented us with some, with some opportunities as well. And, 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 but I think in general, business confidence is growing. Uh, among our customer base and that is that that is what's driving our growth at the moment so in terms of, of the ability to detect covid in the air is that something that once you've done your pilot you would look to sell globally absolutely uh, you know we we see sectors such as the travel sector sectors such as uh, you know the entertainment sector the uh, the nhs the healthcare sector uh, these all will benefit from real-time information about environments. Uh, so uh, partly it's peace of mind, partly how you react to situations, because if you know uh, the right information, uh, then you can react. And what we will provide is a unique opportunity to actually provide real-time information so that uh, organizations can react to, to that. So knowledge is power and in and it has never been truer than than where we live today where knowing what our environment has we can react faster so if just just let's get back to january 2020 if we had these systems working in for example in airports around the country we would have known uh, if something was in the air or not and, and if we had known there was something dangerous in the air, we could have reacted in a very different way. And maybe 2020 could have been a very different year for all of us. Yes. So what we are developing is a unique capability that we can, we're bringing to market, which hopefully will be an important tool to prevent any further pandemics from happening. I wonder if I could also just briefly ask you, because that's absolutely fascinating. And now I'm really curious about the pipeline of ideas for you to get products. Um, because obviously you sound fantastically opportunist and I just wondered if it's not um, breaking any kind of confidential code, do you have a team of researchers and do you sit and have sort of like a blue sky thinking desk every month where you think, what shall we put in the pipeline for like five years time or does it not work like that? Yeah, indeed. I mean, in our core markets, we do have technology and product roadmaps, uh, you know, in our established markets. So our, our ethos is very simple. Uh, we we do things which are unique. Uh, we do things which are easy to use, uh, makes usability simpler. For example, there was there nothing existed in the world where you could put in a bottle and analyze what is in the bottle without having to open a sample. So that was the design philosophy back in 2008, which we had. Came the products like D3SID in the in the nuclear detection space, where we are replacing something which is the size of a shoebox, costs tens of thousands of dollars, with something which is wearable, small, easy to use system, cost cost a few thousand dollars. So we are, in in technology terms, in our core markets, we are true disruptors. We are developing a detection system in medical imaging, which uh, there's a particular project uh, which might be interesting for your viewers. Uh, we're working with Newcastle Hospital Trust and, 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 uh, and an American OEM where 
we are bringing a very high-end diagnostic system for early detection of breast cancer, particularly relevant for uh, young women who has particular challenges with, with tissue density in breast, which are generally dense tissues, and conventional screening systems simply can't detect at very early stages. So we have a diagnostic system, very established diagnostic system called molecular breast imaging, which can identify at very early stages. But it's, there are challenges to introduce that in screening programs like high dose, uh, because the dose exposure to patients are higher in that and, and, and so on. So in this particular program that we're working with Newcastle Hospital and, and this American OEM, we are bringing the, the usability factor through technological innovation so that such effective system can be used as a screening tool in NHS and, and, and worldwide. In, in, uh, so not just a diagnostic tool. So you know something is going wrong, you've got to diagnose as a screening tool. So early detection of breast cancer, which hopefully will save lives ultimately. And, and, and so our innovation is, is as I said very uh, early on, we are looking at either saving lives or making people's lives safer. And, and that is all through technological innovation, all through understanding the needs in the market and bringing products that are really relevant in those sectors. That must be so rewarding. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, but, but one other thing that I just wanted to mention was obviously your heritage is different to a lot of the other business leaders that we have in the region. And at the chamber, we're doing um, a big work around race, ethnicity and discrimination to encourage people who are non-white to develop their careers here and seeing how businesses can help. And uh, before we close off, I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about your experience of diversity and, and how do you set up your business in terms of being inclusive? Look, I mean, diversity is a great thing. Uh, at any level, uh, because uh, whether it's racial diversity, whether it's diversity of backgrounds, whether it's diversity of you know uh, experiences, because ultimately that brings different views. And in innovation, that is absolutely critical uh, to have that diversity of views, diversity of experience, diversity of capability, ability, and knowledge. So a diverse team is always higher performing than a non-diverse team. So, and, and ethnicity and, 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 and you know, uh, sexual orientations and everything else brings a level of, you know, we, 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 we live in an environment where we innovate, where we do things differently than most people and think differently. And if we just choose a certain way of doing things, that doesn't work. So, so having diverse views is critical for our business success. So we employ, I mean, if you look at our you know, uh, uh, sort of the whole employment uh, sort of metrics here, we are very diverse. Uh, we have got many, many nationalities. We have got, uh, you know, uh, many, many ethnicities within the business. And, and so, and, and that produces, you know, a, a culture and, and indeed the output of the business is better as a result. So, you know, it is absolutely essential for any business uh, to look at it. From my personal experience, I, I have never really had a negative experience, uh, primarily because of probably I came as a university student. I had a fantastic experience in, in, in Newcastle uh, and I cherish my time in Northumbria and so on in Durham. And, and, and I think I've 
took up opportunities and I've been very lucky uh, with people that has helped me along the way, many, many, many people from many different backgrounds. So, uh, and it's, it's a, it's a very, it has been a very rewarding experience for me, but, but having an open mind is key to success, I think. Well, we're hoping our commission results will help everybody else get that view as well and realise the benefits of being so inclusive. I think for a lot of people, they just don't really understand how to become more inclusive. So that's a great, great set of examples about the positive bottom line benefit as well as much yeah. as anything else. I wondered if you could give us some advice for the next generation of entrepreneurs. Are there three key things that people could look at doing? The key thing that I think is important for any entrepreneur or anybody starting on the journey of creating something is having a vision and believing in it passionately, because ultimately it's not a straight line. Uh, it's, uh, it's always, you know, what you start off with, uh, things, things change and you have to react. So believing in a vision and, and having the ability to take people along that journey a very wide range of stakeholders, uh, including your own employees and, 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 and colleagues, is important. So believe in it, uh, sell it well, um, and, and, and articulate the vision uh, well. Look after cash. Uh, cash is king. Um, uh, and, and, and thirdly, really try to understand the market because ultimately, uh, you know, market is very important. And the overarching, the big thing about business that I've learned, uh, business is all about people, because you can have the best technology, you've got, you, you may have the best sources of finance, but if, you've got, if you haven't got the right people to deliver your vision, nothing will be successful. So look after your people and everything else will look after itself. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing you, your time with us and for giving us all those insights. And thank you also for anybody listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information on Chromec, it's obviously all on their website. And the Chamber's diversity work is in the policy section of our own website. And thanks very much.